in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? William Carlson is in the COVID protocol. Uh, he's currently out with lower body injury, by the way. Pete DeBoer said he's still in a walking boot, so it's not like he was going to be playing. Uh, but that is another Golden Knights player in the COVID protocol, even though he is not an active player. Even though they're all vaccinated, supposedly? Yeah. Didn't they get up before the year? Still test positive. They're still, getting, they're still getting guys in protocols and testing positive. Yeah. Mike you McCarthy, haven't tested, you haven't tested positive out at the Raiders, have you? I have not. I Do you not. know how many media members have tested positive? Uh, who? I do not. But there have been a positive. Because they're hippo? Test. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I will say I have not heard of one positive. You haven't even heard of one? I've heard one uh, close contact. Interesting. Okay. Yes, I have not heard of one that was positive. Because the general idea here is you're vaccinated. You can still test positive. Yes, Absolutely. And- for the most part, people are, you know, back to living normal lives like we were pre-pandemic. Right. Or at least close to it. So you're going to test positive. But, hey, you're vaccinated, so you should be you should fine. should be fine. But for the NHL, they still say, oh, you tested positive. Get the hell away. So that's the idea here. My question about the media was just that's somewhat comparable because at least the majority, if not all of the Raiders media is vaccinated. You got to be vaccinated to cover well, the Well, you games. have to be vaccinated to be right. in that room. So I'm fine. You know, interested how many media members have tested positive because <laughs> we have not yet wow. had after testing in the morning one of the PR people who come in and scream, Jim, get the, get hell, the out. hell out of here. <laughs> That'd be great. Like, and we're all I... holding our breath, by the way. We're all like, every time the door opens, like, oh no, he's just bringing in stats. Or, oh, no, he's just bringing in uh, the little tracers that we have to put on our wrists. He's not yelling at anybody. I genuinely want, and this this is just me being kind of misanthropic, I kind of wish they came in and went, all right, who has the fake vaccine card? (laughs) (laughs) Next question. Victor Ewalker returned to practice for UNLV yesterday. But Kevin Kruger would not commit to whether or not he was available for tomorrow's game against SMU. Uh, E. Walker is a transfer from Oklahoma who has not played. And yesterday, I think it's the first time he's practiced since like the season started. Um, UNLV has played Royce Ham as their center. David Mwaka has been the backup center, but David Mwaka has been pretty much unplayable. Uh, multiple times he's played in the first half and then did not play at all in the second half this year. Uh, so, you know, he's played a lot of small ball lineups as well because Royce Ham's gotten into foul trouble. Ewalker would be backup center or even potentially starting alongside Royce Ham if they wanted to play big. But Victor Ewalker would be a uh, pretty big help to this team who's very thin in the front court. Okay, so other than size, give me a scouting report on Victor Ewalker. Oh, I don't know anything led. about him. We haven't seen a play. Barely played. Was for he Oklahoma. one of these guys who yeah. barely played, barely played Oklahoma? for Oklahoma? Okay. Like, right. there's not much there. I, okay. Based on the little bit that we saw in practice before his injury, like early, early, 
probably really good defensively would be my guess and offensively i'd guess not providing he's, he's fitting right in right yes he fits right in that's, that's the entire <laughs> that's the player they grabbed they grabbed about seven of them in the yes. transfer portal so that would be my guess all right two things can have have we worked out any sort of like ewok based gif or emoji that will like represent if he does something cool I don't think he's going to do enough cool things to have a gif or emoji for him. Okay. Second, I was working the UNLV basketball game, and that is not how they, they did not pronounce his last name, Ewalker. I don't know how they pronounced it, but every how time they I pronounce it. No, I'm saying I don't know how they pronounce it. I just kept going, do they mean Ewalker? Awoka? I'm, I'm going with our pronunciation. Do you know what an Ewok is? He doesn't know what an Ewok I is. do. Oh, I wow. A, I get a pop culture. It's from Star Wars. I get a pop culture oh, reference. Well, okay. Then that's why. Yeah. All right. Oh, you know, I can't tell you that. Taysom Hill is taking first team snaps as the Saints quarterback. Your guy. All right. Moving on. Uh, he's replacing Trevor Simeon. I don't have a problem with this because Trevor Simeon is the one he's replacing, not an actual quarterback. I don't have a problem with this because they're playing the Cowboys on Thursday night. So let's go, Taysom. Oh, you should want Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon's garbage. Uh, I don't. So think is Taysom Hill. I don't think either are good enough to beat the Cowboys. Probably not. But I mean, I think the chances go from ten percent to eleven percent. Oh, to eleven. You didn't even get to fifteen. <laughs> no, I think it's slightly better with Taysom Hill. With Trevor, Sim- I mean. Trevor Simeon's just a bad passer. Taysom Hill's a bad passer, but at least he might run over one of your defensive players. <laughs> I mean, like that might happen. Trevor Simeon's is Vander Esch healthy? Because that he dude, oh, yeah, oh played, okay, then that dude's about to get a lot of tackles. <laughs> like, it, okay, the thing, the the Taysom Hill stuff that makes no sense is when you're taking Drew Brees or even Jameis Winston off the field to let Taysom Hill do something that any random yes, fullback yes. could do. Fullback. Any random backup yeah, tight end. Yes. Like, uh, what yeah. do you think fullbacks are? They're tight ends that weren't fast enough. So, like, that's that's what makes no sense with Taysom Hill. When you're down all of your real quarterbacks and Trevor Simeon's, like, 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 since becoming the starter, then sure, play Taysom Hill and just run a stupid wildcat offense with maybe one or two throws down the God, field. God, it's a good thing. You're down the field? For... Somebody else throws it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think Mark Ingram's coming back. I think he could throw one, like, 20, 30 yards down the field. It's a good thing you're not going to be here Friday in case they win. What, the Saints? Yeah, because you could give me such a hard time because I want that guy to Oh, no. Because I think that both of them stink. If Taysom Hill lights it up and throws for like 440, no matter what we're talking about, UNLV basketball, we're coming back with a Taysom Hill highlight. (laughs) Uh, uh, We'll see. Aaron Rodgers will not have surgery on his toe. Packers have a bye week. He was apparently considering getting surgery and healing Mm. up before their next game. But that is not the path he is going to take. He is going to play through his toe injury, and it is not COVID toe. Okay, so it was decided that that gross, gross diagnosis was not what he had? Yes. Somebody was guessing on Twitter, and then Aaron Rodgers played it up and said, "Uh uh-oh. COVID toe and then came out and said, no, it's not COVID. Toe. Jared knew about COVID toe. I had no yes, idea. I had no idea this thing it. existed. Yeah. Neither of us had any idea. What now COVID that he was. doesn't have it, does it really exist? That is a good question. I, I've never heard of this. Just Google. Not Googling. It. I did not go below respiratory problems with COVID. Like I never heard about toes, right? We just heard about respiratory problems. 
Is anyone else just absolutely shocked that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't get surgery? Hey, he had to consult Joe Rogan first. Well, he and maybe I mean maybe the fiance rubbed some clay on it. Oh, I googled it. Oh, why'd you do that? I don't I just care told about you not to. question. COVID toe is a casual name for something medically known as perneo, which is a condition that causes symptoms such as discolor- discoloration and lesions. Be extremely painful and turn to purple toes. They're a sign of the body's strong immune uh, immune re- response to the virus. Jeez, it exists. Purple toes. Just don't click images. Purple toes. No, I didn't know. Purple didn't toes know. with sores on them. No, no don't it, I've accidentally like. Oh God. No, I'm not clicking images. Evander Kane <sighs> cleared waivers. Oh. Uh, so he's apparently going to play with the Sharks AHL team. What? What's? <sighs> The AHL player is going to like him? Like, what? What ha- You're in the AHL. You're, like, trying to make an NHL roster. and Yeah, he's just another guy coming down. Vander Kane pops down. You're yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, there's that guy. Let's not pass him the puck. He's <laughs> a weirdo. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're in the AHL. I guess you want to win, but your ultimate goal is to get the NHL. Right. So... Yeah, I don't know if I want him on the team. I mean, because the winning is far less important to me than getting up and playing in the NHL. Right. That's the way it is. I mean, with him down there, that means there's one more space <laughs> to go up. But so. he's been suspended. That space has already been occupied the entire year. So anybody that's in the AHL now, they didn't get that space already. Well, also, it's the AHL. So if you've ever wanted to fight Evander Kane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Sorry. Um. I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the grimness on Ed's face every once in a while when we play that. Ouch. The Iowa State Cyclones are ranked 19th in the country in men's college basketball. They've beaten Xavier and Memphis. They are undefeated on the season. TJ Otzelberger has a top 25 team. <sighs> I mean, you said you, you said in the past, and I agree with you. I never, I never thought he was a bad basketball coach. I just didn't know how he recruited to UNLV and how they, you know, they how they performed yeah. with the recruits he had. But I also think that you're onto something where he could go 11 and 0 in the preseason and win one Big 12 game because he's going to get. Although Memphis is really athletic, so I mean, it, yes. and they beat them, so they did step up and beat a team that you're like. When I heard they're playing them, I'm like, oh, they're going to be overmatched athletically, but they weren't. So. Maybe we're just not giving old uh, Otz enough credit. Maybe so, they'll be okay. Xavier and Memphis are both top 40 teams by Ken Palm so far this year. Uh, and the, the other part is they they beat them handily. They beat Xavier by 12 and Memphis by 19. Like, they didn't they didn't go win those games by... I know they, I knew they got points. Memphis. I didn't know it was by 20. Yeah, like, they, they beat dominated, the brakes off of dominated wow. these teams. Now... Ken Palm, it's we're still early, so Ken Palm still has a lot of preseason rankings that are factored into their current rankings. So the adjustment time period, wait until January until it's all about this year. Ken Palm projects uh, Iowa State to go six and twelve in the Big Twelve. Well, it's better than last year. So you, I mean, <laughs> significantly, they won, they won two games the entire year last year. But that's where the Big Twelve is. Just looking through the Big Twelve schedule, who do they have them beating? Um, well, the only okay, the only team in the Big Twelve that is not in the top eighty by Ken Palm is Missouri, who's one hundred and twenty-seven. Uh, that that AD's got to get uh, get going uh, out there. Yeah, Come on. she's not very uh, good. That athletic director's got to get going out there. They're they're that bad. That no. is it. That is the only team in the Big Twelve that you would consider to be bad. Uh, 
The let's see. So looking through here, wait, I'm an wait. Idiot. Missouri's in the, they're SEC. in the SEC. Why do they play yeah. Missouri in the middle of their schedule? They're in the SEC. All wait, right. that's not a conference game, but they no. play them on January 29th. That must be the Big 12 SEC challenge. All right, okay. All forgive right. me. Yeah, there you go. Forgive me. I'm an idiot. Um, but I was a little confused. I was like, oh, Missouri plays basketball in a different conference than so, football. There is no team ranked outside the top 80 in the Big 12 in Ken Palm. Um, the only two worse than Iowa State are TCU and Kansas State right now. Ooh. Oof. So it's uh, it's tough. Everybody, they have, uh, what, six teams that are in the top 50. Right. Two in the top five. He goes <laughs> six and 12, and he goes, wins about, eh, because he's actually played some tough games already, so he's going to get into the Poets and the Whittiers real, real quick. I mean, he gets up to 18, 19. Pretty good from two. Listen, and if if he can find a way, instead of being six and twelve, get to like eight, eight and ten in the Big Ten and Big Twelve, it's a tournament team. Coach of the year. It's a tournament team. If you get eight wins in the Big Twelve, that's a tournament team. So Imagine especially Ott's with going, two non-conference wins. Ott's going and being Big Twelve Coach of the Year. Oh. <laughs> Be great. Hey, he couldn't handle the glitz and glam <laughs> of Las, uh, Las Vegas. Vegas. He's a Midwestern boy. <laughs> Their AD. Oh, what was he on? He was on some show or something yesterday and he was he's already taken his victory lap oh for hiring him. oh sure. he was like yeah. he gave a quote that was like you know just a few months ago people were saying oh jamie pollard just hired his best friend right unlv didn't want him they went cheap he's six and oh he's already taken his victory lap they could lose the rest of the games this season and he's already <laughs> like damn right i made a good hire it's not just because i'm best friends with this guy this was a fantastic hire so he's already taken his laps. All right, coming up next. You ready to do some grades? Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grainy's grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Greenies grades. God damn it, I hate Jake Fanny. Are you ready to hand out grades for UNLV uh, football? Yes. Okay, I'll, prefa- <laughs> I'll preface it with this. I'll preface it with this. I do not give Fs to kids, so you won't have, you hear no Fs from me when it comes oh. to players. Well, they wouldn't that be eligible. It doesn't mean the coaches don't fall into that category. Uh, so there will be other different grades that might tend to make you believe that I don't think they had a good year. <laughs> Remember, check minus means that they they passed, but just barely. Okay, all right, okay, all right. Ready. First one to grade. Starting off with an easy one for you, Charles Williams. A plus pass. A plus pass. He carried. Every carry except for 19 of them. So, And I'm not just saying that because he's joining us at 9.30. Shameless plug there for the press box. Charles Williams at 9.30. Uh, walked away the career, leading in, career leader in rushing yards of that school. Um, got his degree. Did everything he was supposed to do as a student athlete and a football player at that school. I think that's an easy grade. There is no other grade to give him. It's A+. Plus. Uh, what a, a plus pass. Plus pass. Yeah. All right. Um I do feel a little bit bad for Charles Williams. He was here for six years. Didn't go to a bowl game. Right. Like, he was here a long time through a lot of losses. Like, I feel bad for Charles Williams. Like, he clearly 
deserved a little bit better than never getting to six wins. Right. Than never getting away. He was on the part of the five win team. And that might have been the year he was hurt. I'd have to go back and look. But like he he was here for a very long time. Longer than pretty much anybody sticks around for a college football program. He was here. A lot of losses despite being a very productive running back. Do you think he's in a camp? No. I don't either. It's the same problem Lexington Thomas had. What value does he bring to the passing game? And the answer is none. He's virtually unused as a as a receiver except for like two games. And he had like the one game where he had like 100 receiving yards just out of nowhere. But like he was virtually unused under Tony Sanchez. And then Marcus Arroyo used him a little bit more right. as a receiver. But it's the same problem Lexington Thomas ran into. They are guys that got handoffs on a run-oriented offense and compiled a lot of yards, but they're not fast enough or big enough to be true workhorse running backs in the NFL, and neither one provides enough in the passing game as a receiver or, honestly, as a uh, pass protection guy either. Like, Charles Williams was not very good in pass protection. So, like, no, I don't think there's much hope for Charles Williams in the NFL. And we're hoping he's not listening right now. (laughs) The Montreal Alouettes. All right. Fascinated to hear your answer to this one. Tate Martell. As I said before, <laughs> incomplete check minus. Incomplete check minus. I, I have to ask an important question. Is he still on the team? I don't know. That's why I'm giving it an incomplete because I don't even know if he's still on the team. There was a TikTok. Oh, good Lord. Oh, here we go. I No, keep me up to date. The on real these. reporting. Yes. Yeah. Tate Martell was at the Ohio State-Michigan game. Oh. Cheering for Ohio He hasn't Ohio played for State. Michigan. Cheering for Ohio State. Um, on the sideline? No, in the crowd. Okay. Okay. Uh, don't know if Ohio State's welcoming, welcoming him back with open arms. Okay. But in the crowd, cheering for Ohio State. That's where he was after Thanksgiving. All right. Uh, Not back here lifting and getting ready for next season. Yeah. So as a, as a reminder for those of you that aren't aware, UNLV played a football game on Friday in Colorado. And Michigan and Ohio State played on Saturday in Michigan. So I don't think he would have flown back with the team. I don't know if he went with the team would be my guess. Well, that's a good point. That's uh, a really good point. Because when when uh, Marcus Arroyo was asked before the game against Air Force, like, who's your options at quarterback if Cameron Friel's out? And it was Justin Rogers and then a freshman that had not played and then a walk-on. Like, Tate Martell still had a That goes back to my issue. point. I don't even know if he's still on the team. Right. So... Yes, he might not be on the team anymore, and that's, you know. That's the best point. He probably wasn't with him. Yeah. Because I don't – well, end of the season, maybe Thanksgiving, maybe they're allowed to fly elsewhere to family to celebrate Thanksgiving. That happens a lot. But I also wouldn't be surprised, like you're saying, that he wasn't even with them to begin with. But if he was with them, kids are allowed to leave teams yeah. some of the time to get to family for Thanksgiving. Although, is his family in, is his family in Ann Arbor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's from here. Yeah. Uh, He is still listed on UNLV's roster. Okay. Not that that's by any means official now. Yeah. But he is still listed. They they will often take kids off. Jacoby Wyndham is still on there, too, even though he's in the transfer portal. So I'll give Tate Martell an F simply because the experience, the the, what was the point of that whole thing? Like he comes to UNLV as a walk on transfer. And what did he play? Three snaps all year. And like he ran the Mariota package, like <laughs> and like what? Why did Marcus Arroyo take him? If he like Marcus Arroyo had no interest in Tate Martell being on his football team. Well, obviously not. He never did anything with didn't him. Didn't play him and di- didn't want to ever answer a no. question about him. 
Like, remember early in the year when it was like, well, Tate hasn't given me an update on his injury. Right. Like, didn't even know Tate Martell's injury. <laughs> like, what was the point of that? Why take him if there's, there's zero interest in, in playing him or giving him a shot? Because he's got that chicken wing money. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, A+. Plus. Changing my grade. <laughs> it's just wings and Tate Martell. A+. Plus. All right. Next topic. Cameron Freel, Justin Rogers, Doug Brumfield. Incomplete. I'll go back to it. I have no idea what went on with the quarterback. (laughs) We have a solid. Uh, I have no idea what went on with these quarterbacks. I don't think the head coach did either, so why would I? (laughs) I mean, if the head coach doesn't know what's going on with his quarterback, I have no idea what's going on with his quarterback. Did you see yesterday? Cofield tweeted out his quote about, well, we have more clarity on the quarterback position than we did this time last year. And I'm like, I hope so. But I still don't think you have any clarity on the quarterback position. I saw all the quotes. <laughs> I saw all the quotes. Um, the, coach, the quotes give off the uh, insinuation. It's going to be better. Things are going to be better. He also said they weren't looking to bring in like a transfer to like play right away. Well, how good's the freshman who didn't play? Well, we don't know. He didn't play. He didn't play. So um, I don't know what <laughs> we the, don't know. I don't know what the scouting report on him was. We got a lot of scouting reports on everyone else. I am giving. Uh, the coaching side of the quarterbacks. Oh, the coaching side. You yes. can grade whatever you want. Yes. I'm just giving you topics. You can okay. go whatever direction you want. I the Injuries really screwed him, but completely mismanaged that position. I mean, that was a nightmare from start to finish. So not very good. Next topic, the UNLV defense. I'm going to give it a B pass. Wow. B because, and pass. Here's the thing. I'm going to give it a B pass, and then I'm going to give it a D minus because they lost D their best player. Minus. But I'm going to give it a B plus, and it's all relative. I get it. It might not have been a great defense, but everything's relative when it comes to UNLV football, and they've been so atrocious defensively. I saw, like, three games where they were actually making plays where I'm like, you know, they, they wouldn't have made that play in the last few years. So I'm going to go overly confident here. I think I know where you're going, but I'll be overly positive on the defense. Where do you think I'm going? Well, now that you say it that way, you might be going A. <laughs> No, they get a D. Oh, see, that's D. where I thought you're going for defense. They get for a defense. D for defense, they don't fail. But here's here's the issue. The eye test, they look better. They yes. finished 105th in SP plus on defense, worst defense in the Mountain West. They gave up 32.8 points per game. Tony Sanchez's last year, they gave up 33. The defense was bad. The defense was not good by any means whatsoever. And even relative to past UNLV but defenses, it never is. I don't. I, I think we got ahead of ourselves calling the defense better than it was. Like it was better what, than after a couple of games. It was better than last year's defense, okay. which was an abomination of a defense where they gave up thirty-eight points per game. Arroyo's first year, yes. But compared to the Tony Sanchez era years, it's basically the same defense. There wasn't a significant improvement from that. There were more havoc plays. But the actual, like, defense wasn't better. Yes. All right. Next topic. Oh, we're running out of time. All right. We'll skip ahead. Marcus Arroyo. Gets an F. F. Uh, Oh, well, you know what? I mean, no. 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 Bring me back. I'm going to give him a D. D. Because what was the total going into the year? One and a half? One and a half. Okay. So he went over the total, so he can't get a complete failure. I'm going to give him a D, and I'm going to specify that last game. Because I thought that was absolutely embarrassing that they were not ready. They were not prepared. And that they came in and looked like that. The and worst. I think, and I think that goes right to the coaching. I really do. That you can't get kids up. I don't want to hear that it was the last game option going to Colorado. You only get 12 of them. You should have some way to get kids up for every week. 
But I can't give him a total F because he went over the total, and that's what the town we're in is, you know, numbers. So I'll stay with the D. Total was only that low because he was so bad last year. Uh, he's still, I know which way you're going. <laughs> he still gets an F. F uh, and the main reason fail. is that he displayed Failure. multiple times throughout the year that he doesn't put his team in the best position to win games. Whether it's his decision with the quarterbacks, whether it's multiple times running the clock out at the end of the first half instead of trying to score, whether it's all the times they had to call a timeout or take a delay a game oh after a God. kickoff. Or, or to start a half. Yes. Or to start a the half. amount of times oh that they my kicked. God. Kicked field goals or punted on fourth and short when they should have been going for it to try to score more points. He did not put his team in the best position to win games. They lost a lot of one-score games, and if he was a better coach, they might have won three or four games I'll, this year. I will stop at coming out of a half getting a delay a game. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if there's one time you should probably know what you're running, it's like the first play of the second half. Should have that, that is one weird. down. All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. It's the snap. Plenty of time. Surveying. Looks over the middle. That is thrown into the end zone and is picked off. Kendall Fuller picked it off. And Washington maintains their lead. Now they just need to survive a kickoff. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. Follow him on Twitter at 4Verts. Read his work at For the Win. Charles, how many times am I going to be suckered into watching a primetime NFL game that sucks? Oh, I mean, I'm going to watch every single time because <laughs> I have no self-control. You know, it's funny. Like, I don't even, like, have to watch every game for my job. Like, I can kind of pick and choose my spots. But, uh, you know, I'm a 27-year-old man. So, whenever I see live sports on TV, I'm just going to click on that. And football happens to be the main flavor right now. <laughs> is so bad like and the worst part is it was close and i was like oh god i'm about to watch overtime of this too like it was a nightmare i I, i'm almost convinced most football games are bad we just don't realize it because we get like six at a time on sundays no i see i i've actually been thinking about this for a few years and honestly it kind of comes down to people just kind of having like goldfish brains and not really remember like what they're watching for three hours where basically most football games are you know, if you take a game clock of 60 minutes, 55 of it is just complete trash for most games. But then, you know, hey, if it's, you know, like on Thanksgiving, what was it, 13 or 14 Bears lines with two minutes left? Or, uh, you know, last night, seven, down 17 and nine or whatever uh, late in the game, that scenario in itself forces teams to be exciting. So, you know, that can be fun. But, I mean, last night's game was just horrendous. Uh, the, the Washington, uh, I mean, Excuse me, Seattle defense didn't show up like at all. I'm like 98% sure Russell Wilson is still hurt, but for some reason he's forcing himself to play, uh, and it makes himself look horrible. I mean, there's no other reason to explain how at the start of the season, I mean, he looked like he was on an MVP pair uh, before he got hurt, and now he comes back and, you know, publicizes his 19 hours of rehab a day of finger stretching and now he's back a little bit early, and he can't throw the damn ball. So I don't really know what's going on there, but it made for an awful. All right, Charles, we had our discussion yesterday. We asked you weekly, and it changed weekly. Actually, yesterday it changed on the hour. We gave three teams out because uh, we have no idea. <laughs> Who's the best team in the AFC? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's tough because I, 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 I still, I still want to say the Bills. I just love that defense so much. Uh, but I think we're, we're going to get clarity when the Bills and Patriots play each other uh, in the coming weeks. I think one of them is on Monday Night Football next yep. week. So 
Uh, those are going to be like big indicators. So I think those two teams are, you know, at the top. Uh, you have like the Bills, the Patriots, and you know I think an underrated team. Uh, obviously the Chiefs too. Uh, but I think the team is kind of like ascending, even though they lost this past week to the Colts. Like just when you look at what they've done over the past seven games, that's not a team that I want to see uh, in the playoffs. You know, Carson Wentz, he's gone from <laughs> like meme worthy bad to competent and like good sometimes. And when you compare that with, you know, maybe the best offensive line in the league and Jonathan Taylor, who's playing like Jim Brown, you know, you're going to be able to score 30, 40 points uh, with you. So, you know, even though they lost to Tampa Bay, I still think that that is like one of the hottest teams in the league. Uh, and I think they have a real chance to win the AFC South with the Titans being so banged up. Why are the Cleveland Browns essentially a high school team with everybody's parents being mad? I don't know. I, I this is just. I actually, I literally just wrote about this. So you know, self plug. If you're uh, listen, if you're listening, let's check out my Twitter account. Four verse actually wrote about you know Baker and the Browns right now. Uh, and you know, I was I was sitting there and you know one of my friends. He's a Browns fan. He was like, you know, Baker's just got to do this because he's tough and, you know, he's got to get out there and show everyone how tough he is. I'm like, all right, but like, who is this helping? Like, I, I really cannot find a single winner in this scenario because if Baker wants to get this long contract from the Browns, you know, something close to what Josh Allen got around $40 million a year, uh, I don't know how uh, playing hurt and stinking up for five games uh, helps you with that cause because when you get to the negotiating table, they're going to be like, wow, Baker, your stats were pretty crappy compared to the other quarterbacks that are making this money. I wonder what happened there. Uh, and I think he's really cost himself some, do- some dollars by playing through this injury. And then on the Browns side, like, you are perfectly equipped to deal with the injury to your quarterback. I mean, your backup quarterback is Case Keenum, who I don't know, some people might say he's just as good as Baker, but I'm not going to take that there today. Uh, <laughs> and you have, you know, a solid offensive line, two great running backs. Like, this is a team that can certainly thrive with. Uh, a backup quarterback and, you know, easily won of Keenan's caliber. I mean, they already won a game with him this year uh, on the road on Thursday night football. So, like, we have all seen Case Keenum play capable football. It's like the perfect situation for your starting quarterback to get some rest and maybe recover a little bit longer for, for an injury because they are set up to handle that, that hit, but they just are not doing it. Uh, they're losing games because of it. They're slipping out of, you know, there's playoffs chances of slipping every week. And I'm just trying to – figure out like who is being helped here by Baker still being on the field because I mean we can all watch to see he's not healthy uh Kareem Hunt's dad is saying that he's not healthy uh on Facebook with his post that said go Browns hopefully and hopefully they get some sense and sit him down for a little bit okay so the good Derek Carr is 6-0 and and they average over 30 and wins the bad Derek Carr is 0-5 can the good Derek Carr take him to the playoffs and how far I mean I, I I I think that winning the playoffs will be tough because I, I think that the the top of the AFC is, is really good. But hey, like there's seven spots now. Like a good Derek Carr can get you to the playoffs for sure. Uh, I mean, when he's on and dialed in and not phased by pressure and things that are opening up for him, I mean, he's he's one of like the best like pure throwers of the football in the league to me. Uh, I mean, his arm talent has always been impressive. Accuracy has been impressive. It's just kind of been like, you know, you're folding at the wrong moments. Like Derek Carr to me is kind of like Matthew Stafford. And you look at like the physical build and you see them play, and then you look at like the career totals, and you're like, why is he this better? Uh, and, you know, I think that Derek's definitely a good quarterback, and I think he can get you to 
uh, the playoffs because, you know, quite frankly, like even though John Gruden's been gone and uh, they have someone else kind of managing the offense, he's still been putting up uh, pretty good numbers. And I think he's kind of at this point in his career where he just kind of, you know, gets it. Like when you put in a lot of reps and something, uh, it gets easier for you. So, you know, I, I think that, that Derek is someone who can get you there, but once you get to the playoffs, I think it's going to be pretty tough to win a game. Just you look at the whole talent difference between the Raiders and some of the other teams. All right. You tweeted about this. Has Brian Kelly had gumbo? No. <laughs> no, he, he, he hasn't. Uh, you know, I'm going to say something that might get people upset, but I was looking at <laughs> at his Wikipedia page, and I did not realize, like, how white this dude was like, <laughs> dude, like from Massachusetts, uh, stayed his whole life in Massachusetts, then like coached in Illinois. And like, it seems like he's never even been South of like Maryland or something. So like, I was just confused that how, like, like, so like it, it obviously Ed Orgeron had his flaws, but if he walks into, you know, some recruits home in the swamp of Louisiana, they're going to get along just fine. Like there's going to be automatic love there. When Brian Kelly gets there, he's trying to figure out how he can get out while still getting that kid to come with him. Like, I, I just think it's such a weird, like, cultural fit. But obviously, like, he's got the credentials as a football coach. I'm just like, this is LSU football coach? Like, this square dude from Massachusetts that played at a Thompson College and, you know, was messing around the cold all his whole life? I, I think it's like a weird person to state fit. Okay. Throw out just gumbo. Has he ever been to a Popeye's? <laughs> I, I think he's into a Popeye just because that's like a, a national brand, and you know, coaches eat like crap. So, like when you're up like at you know eleven thirty and you're not seeing yourself getting home anytime soon, you just hit the old college student routine. I grab two Popeye's chicken sandwiches, two fries, a couple of drinks, and uh, go grind for the night. So what you're saying is Lincoln Riley down by the beach is a much better fit. Yeah, I see at the beach. Uh, <laughs> like yeah, I got. But, Okay, like this Lincoln Riley stuff, I do think that it's kind of scummy for uh, for the kids. Personally, I don't really care if some boosters or administrators get their heart broken. I think that's kind of funny, but it, it sucks for the kids. But hey, man, Oklahoma to L.A. for <laughs> all that money and to be the genius, the boy genius at USC, like that's such an easy trade. Sign me up. So, you know, I get why he made the move. I just don't – I don't really like the way these guys go about it. I mean – you're a grown man. You can't tell some teenagers that you decided to take another job. Like, they'll understand, and maybe even a couple of them will come with you. All right. Uh, help us answer this hypothetical. Uh, Georgia's football team would win the national championship even if every game was just their defense against the other team's offense for the entire game. I mean, they could compete for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm biased as a Georgia fan, but Hey, they gave up uh, seven points a game this year. Uh, pitched multiple shutouts to ranked teams. I mean, quite frankly, I, I, this is maybe the most dominant defense I've ever seen uh, at the college level. Yeah, I saw one of my friends, she tweeted out that uh, the, the the Bulldogs, they had a plus 405 point differential in the season. Uh, and they only gave up eight, they only gave up 83 points all year. So uh, that's like <laughs> unreal. Uh, I, like it's really even hard to fathom it, and uh, you know I, I think they could definitely win some games. I don't, a championship might be a little tough, but 
Like, uh, you could beat, like, South Carolina with just Georgia's defense. I, I think you could do that. I mean, if they had done that to Florida, they probably would have won because they got the pick six, too. So, uh, <laughs> you know, go dogs. They're going to win national championship unless they lose Alabama, in which I will cry online for about three years. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Charles McDonald. Follow him on Twitter at 4 and read his work at For the Win. Charles, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Charles. All right, later. Uh, plus four something? Uh, 408. That's like a video game. I, I, I knew they were dominant, oh, but I didn't know it was like I plus think they played, I think it's one one-score game they played last okay. season. Tennessee That's, had a moral victory against them because they scored... 17? Yeah. Is that they, what it was? They scored 17 yeah. points. And it was like, eh, nobody else got over 10. <laughs> like, what wow. We're great. All right, here we go. We've got a $50 Amazon gift card to give away right now, plus... You'll have a chance to win two tickets to Raiders and Chargers on January 9th and a $200 gift card to the Raiders store at Legion Stadium. But you have to be at Silver 7s for Cofield and Company this Thursday. That's when the drawing for the Raiders tickets will be done. But you'll get the $50 Amazon gift card now. Chance to win Raiders Chargers tickets. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number six at 702-364-1100. Alley, you Brandon Ingram! and was running for a touchdown, and then he saw Ingram for the dunk. Be still, my heart. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Congratulations to William. He won the $50 gift card to Amazon and a chance to win some tickets to go see the Raiders and Chargers. Um, I just want to... still my beating heart. I just want to read a tweet from you uh, from Bruce Garrich. Coach DJ Smith says he's not sure if Brady Kachuk required a tetanus shot after being bitten by L.A. forward Brendan Lemieux Saturday. Huh. <laughs> I'd get one just to get one, then I'd get the booster. <laughs> For tetanus? I'd get the tetanus booster. Have you gotten a tetanus shot? <laughs> it's... I have. A L- long time ago, I did get a tetanus <gasps> shot. It's not fun. I I, re- I vaguely recall stepping on a rusty nail when I lived. Hey, in- that's why I got one. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure on nails all the time. Yeah, that's why I got one. Rusty nail, and the mom said, "Let's go. You're going for the tetanus." Really? We lived on a dirt road, and uh, yeah, we had like kind of just a did it go barn. through a shoe? Yeah. Okay. And it was like, all right, well, this is getting st- stuck into your stomach. <laughs> okay, so I feel a little better because I was at the beach with bare feet on a boardwalk, so I was not with a shoe. That's a little better, but yes. yeah, the tetanus shot was uh, not good. Who's leaving rusty nails out at the beach? I Come know. on, it's a long clean time, it yeah. up. <laughs> I uh, I once shot a staple through it with a staple gun into my hand. Oh yeah. man, that was fun. How'd you get that out? Pliers? Pli- yeah, pliers, pliers pulled it out. Luckily, it did not, you know, fold over on itself. Oh. It stayed. It stayed straight. It stayed straight. So I just pulled it out. Had two little pinholes in my hand. Oh, so not at least a big it stayed deal. Straight but it was it turned so, over. That wouldn't have been good. So all right, here's I blame my mother 100 percent for this because <laughs> well, of course she's out there killing turkey. <laughs> she was trying to staple like chicken wire to make like a little enclosure for puppies, <laughs> and she couldn't get the staple gun to work. And she asked me to come try it. So I go out there and try to do it, and for whatever reason I couldn't get it to work either. And the problem is that both of us 
thought the staples were coming out of one end of the staple oh gun. Oh, my God. But in reality, they were coming out of the other end of the staple gun. And so, so and you put it against your hand. So I braced yeah. it against my hand because I was like, why won't this work? St- stuck my hand on there, pushed the handle down, staple into my palm. Probably the most cuss words I've ever said in a 10-second span. And my mom thought it was hilarious. She just laughed at me. The good thing is, out on the farm, even though you say you don't have a farm, there were a lot of tools. So there was about a ply. Well, you were yes. doing a fence. There's probably pliers Pl- like two feet from you. Plenty of pliers. You this was, oh, this was pre-farm. This you, is when we just lived in a neighborhood. This but was you just bred in dogs. Neighbor- yeah, just bred dogs, but lived in a neighborhood. Yeah. You didn't you didn't gr- get it with your teeth and just yank it out? No, not at all. It was very much like it took me like a couple seconds to process what happened. And then I realized, oh, there's a staple in my hand and just started cussing. My mom started laughing and then we pulled it out. Well, your mom I mean, sounds like a hoot. Oh, God. laughing at you with the staples, oh. killing animals, right. ha- having cows and dogs and all I mean, this stuff. I the went- reason that I just make fun of people every day yeah. is because that's. How you grew up. Yes. I just got made fun of every day by my family. Yeah. Don't shoot a staple into your hand. You're going to get laughed at. Oh, that's what happens. What kind of dogs, by the way? Labradoodles, golden doodles, double doodles. Okay. All the doodles you can possibly think of. And people would come over to look at them. Yeah. And to pick one out. Pick one out and sell them. Or, I mean, she's. She sells them to people all across the country. She'll put them on a plane. Wait, she and still send does. Them away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is I she didn't know. Certified. That. Is this one of those? Or is this like? Yeah. Okay. She's got the paperwork. Okay. She sends them with a folder of paperwork that says, "Here's their entire like family history right. or bloodline." I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, it's all. Oh yeah, uh, she's all into this. She's got a patent. She's she's been years in if she's doing it when you're a kid. Uh, she started when I was sixteen, I think. Um, How old do you when you did the staple? Probably 16. Oh, right yeah. around then. Yeah, same time, basically. But yeah, she started when I was 16. Because, okay, the first litter that we ever had, and it was like, oh, new to this, what are we doing? We had built a little box and put it in one of the bedrooms in our house and was like trying to get the, the mother to like, hey, this is where you're going to be. I come home from school one day, cannot find our dog anywhere. She was outside underneath our shed, had dug her way under there, and it started giving birth and to And had the dogs. puppies there. Yeah. 